to another episode of Second Chance Dreamers. I'm here with Christine Gritman, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Woohoo! Glad to be here. So today we're going to get into who you are, what you do, and I want to know a lot about your story. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Christine Gritman, and my company is Christine Gritman, Inc. And what I do is I help small business owners and individual professionals, um, like really teeny tiny businesses, mom and pops, not be freaked out by social media. They see social media as this big thing that they know they need to do, but they're afraid of doing it. And sometimes there's even some shame, like they feel like they should know how to do it and they just can't. And so what I do is I I meet them where they are and I guide them through it and I help them figure out how to make it um, something that fits into their existing flow of business instead of becoming a whole extra job. What's funny is that I actually wanted to do something like that. My good friend does social media for certain restaurants and she does really, really well. And I was like, well, I could take pictures and I could run their socials because I run my own socials. But I know there's a lot of work behind it. However, I was thinking I could do that. You have a whole business centered around that. That's very cool. So what kind of businesses do you work for? Well, it's interesting, actually, that you bring up um, taking pictures of of restaurants and things, because when I first started my business, that was my intention. I really wanted to run the social media accounts for these small businesses because they felt like they didn't have time to do it themselves. And so I figured, well, I mean, I'm living on social media anyway. I might as well do it for them. And over time, I got what I thought I wanted, and I discovered that it's really, really hard and time-consuming to do it for a lot of places at once and to do it well. And I realized, you know, to have me do it, we need to set up a photo shoot, figure out what we're going to do, figure out what we're going to feature, then figure out when it's all going to go out and what we're going to promote when. And if there's a special or something, that's a whole thing. And I realized, you know, for them to do it themselves, they just need to know what to do. So what originally started as sort of the condolence prize for when people didn't want to pay my rate for full account management, I'd say, okay, well, for a lower rate, I'll teach you how to do it better yourself. Around this past fall, I think, I just re-strategized my business around that. And now I don't manage people's accounts anymore. And I just teach people how to do it better. I'm a strategist and it's really fun and it's really satisfying. It's really satisfying to see someone who felt like they couldn't do it before realize that it's not as hard as they thought it would be and they're getting results from doing it. So you really like your job. Oh yeah, well I mean I designed it. I better like it. If I if I that's a nice thing about being the boss. If I don't like the job, I can change the job. Does that not sound really exciting to you cuz that sounds really exciting to me. So I want to know Was this always your career? What's your background? This career didn't exist uh, when I graduated from college. (laughs) I graduated in 2002. I don't even think Friendster was out yet. I've been through all of it as, as just a consumer. Friendster, MySpace. But no, so this is actually my fourth career. Um, My first career, I spent almost a decade in the corporate beauty world. And, and consumer packaged goods. And that was really, really fun. And I was never officially a marketer because those were the people who were at their desks till 9 p.m. And they yeah. spent a lot of time with spreadsheets. And so I didn't want to do that. But I did have a knack for understanding and speaking to both the marketers and the creatives, the graphic designers, the writers. And for some reason, these two groups of people were not good at understanding each other. 
So I discovered that uh, I had a knack for organizing projects, managing projects, and managing that relationship between the marketers and the creatives. And then in 2012, I was already getting a little burnt out on it. And then I had my son. I had my first child. And I discovered two things pretty much immediately. First, I discovered that I didn't have it in me to be a stay-at-home mom. I was very surprised by how I handled the stress of the constancy of being responsible for this small human, and I thought it would be, you know, all I'd need, but no, I discovered that I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I did want to work, but I also discovered that I was not that excited about what I was doing anymore, and I said, if I'm going to be leaving my son... I need to be really psyched about what I'm doing. And so I made the big decision to leave steady work and go be a creative freelancer. So that was career number two. And wow. and in there somewhere, I had actually already gone to Parsons School of Design in the city for a continuing education certificate in graphic design. So I figured, okay, well, I'll be a graphic designer and I also randomly got a gig doing funny photoshops for a comedy website through a friend of mine. A couple of them went super viral. Not the best ones, of course. The kind of so-so ones, but a few of them went super viral. And on a whim, almost, I said, you know, maybe I'll try writing. I've always been able to write. I've always been able to string a few sentences together. Why not? So I cold called a few publications, and that's what wound up taking off. So after not a lot of time, the graphic design went by the wayside, the website I was doing the photoshops for folded, and I was a writer and it was fantastic and I was getting nice steady fun work with local lifestyle publications. That's really amazing. Did you go to school for this? Well, I went to Vassar, which is one of those nice hippie schools where they're less about what will you do for a living when you get out of here and more about let's think, let's analyze, let's learn. So, you know, so I didn't really have that much of a career focus undergrad, honestly. I majored in film with a focus in screenwriting, which is funny because now in career number four, where I am right now, part of what I do is a lot of video work. But um, I never actually expected to use my film degree in any way. <laughs> so now you have career number two. What happens next? So I'd reached a really good point with my writing, with my freelance writing career, where I was getting pretty steady work that I enjoyed, and I was able to put my son in daycare a couple days a week, and my parents were around to watch him some of the other days. So I was getting a lot of work done. And then I had my daughter. And kid number two brought with her the realization that, first of all, I didn't have enough money coming in to put two kids in part-time daycare, but... If I didn't have her in daycare, I couldn't get any work done. I had envisioned maybe I'd, you know, wear her in a baby wrap while bouncing on my yoga ball and she'd just sleep while I typed away. No, she's not that kid. Um, and so I wasn't able to do more work to bring in more money, but I wasn't able to bring in more money without doing more work. And it was just this bad catch-22. And I said, you know, I really need to figure out what I'm going to do here. Balancing this isn't going to work anymore. My life has reshifted. So I said I need to either stop trying to work and just own being a stay-at-home mom and just love it and not feel the pressure to be working to just own it and love it or go back to full-time work, which is unappealing when you've spent a couple of years working for yourself. I didn't know if I wanted to do that. And then 
my favorite client at the time, the Journal News, the local newspaper, my editor said, you know, we have a few new full-time positions open. And I got to tell you, the night before my first interview, I had a panic attack and I canceled it. <laughs> I said, you know, this is too big a life change. I can't do this. And it was a job that also would have involved some degree of like events outside of working hours. And it's very funny now because I go to freaking everything now. But still, at the time, that sounded like a very daunting life change. And so I freaked out. I said, I can't do it. It's too big a change. And I canceled. In the meantime, I got some good meds because <laughs> I, was, I was also suffering from some postpartum anxiety. And they called me a few weeks later and they said, we have another position open as well. And I said, let me be straight with you. It's a really big change. I don't want to have to work, you know, a whole lot of outside hours. And they said, oh, no, you wouldn't have to. They said, OK, but I'd still have to go out to White Plains every day. And they said, well, we have a Rockland office you could work from sometimes, too. I said, okay, you know what, let's do this. And I got offered the job, you know, pretty much right after my first interview, which was great, because I'd worked for them for a few years. And that really is sort of when, not just, not just career number three, but when this whole new phase of my life really began. It's like I kind of arrived in that moment because after my daughter was born and when I was facing that decision of do I stop working at all or do I get a new job and I didn't love either option I also was facing that fear of this is the time in life mid-30s this is the time in life when women disappear for a while and I'd seen a lot of women I knew in like their 50s who were really coming into themselves but that's because during this time of their lives they had sort of taken a back seat and now it's their turn and I said I don't want to wait I don't want to wait till my kids are off at college I need to not disappear. I need to take my turn now. So that was pretty exciting. So when I arrived in the newsroom full time, I arrived with all engines go. Like I just, I fell into it really naturally. And it was very different from being a freelancer in a lot of ways. First of all, it was a more serious profession. These people, there were people there with Ivy League graduate degrees in this career that I had just kind of fallen into and I needed to respect that and learn from them it was very different all the things that they had just kind of edited out when I was a freelancer and I didn't really understand you know why they edited things the way that they did now it was my responsibility to really understand those things and to understand the business objectives of the paper and to understand the editorial objectives of here's the stuff we need to be able to do for our readers and it's it was also an interesting time because it's a time of great flux for the newspaper industry and they were learning new things to them that had already come naturally to me it was kind of good timing because suddenly after years of traditional journalism teaching keep yourself out of the story you have to be neutral at all times you have to really not have anything really about you in there now suddenly they were being encouraged to brand themselves and to develop followings and to be active on social media. And this was so antithetical to what they had been brought up with. And it fit me very naturally. I had come up with marketing and with um, consumer packaged goods. And so the idea of personal branding, applying that knowledge I'd used when marketing products to newsroom personalities, it was a natural fit for me. I got it. And they sometimes didn't and so it was a really good fit at that time and I took it I ran with it I wound up getting promoted very quickly 
to the position of engagement editor. It was my job to represent the paper at events, to figure out where we should be, to make sure that we were communicating with our community instead of having that wall between the paper and the community they were serving, and to help other reporters get out there, get their faces known, be known in the communities that they were writing about, because first of all, you get better stories that way. I mean, they know who to call. <laughs> but also you make sure that the stuff you're writing is the stuff that is needed. And so that was really, really fun. And I wound up being recognized by a national publication, Editor and Publisher Magazine. I made it into their 25 under 35 list. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And that happened pretty much when I turned 35. So I was like, I just got under the wire. That's awesome. Yeah. But then through that job, I was also geeking out about social media. It was the first time I had really seen it used in a marketing context. Because again, back when I was in consumer packaged goods and the beauty industry and all of that, it was the very beginning. So I didn't touch that. Now, of course, they have whole departments for it. But back then, it was maybe like a small fraction of someone's job. And so now, um, the difference a few years made in terms of importance of social media to marketing was huge. But also, in the newsroom, we had um, some great people whose job it was to really look at the analytics of what are people clicking on? How many people click on it when we present it this way versus this way? What do people tend to click on on Facebook versus Twitter? What sorts of things should we put out at different times of day? What times of day work best for our readers? Is there a particular day of the week that they engage with certain content? What length of pieces do they tend to read? And it didn't totally direct everything because when it comes down to it, the mission of the newsroom was primarily to provide the unbiased actual news but there are also business concerns and they said okay well we're not going to let it affect what we write but it might affect how we package this and it was really fascinating it was my first look at the data behind social media usage and I really geeked out over it it was really fun and people started both inside and outside the newsroom started to ask me to speak about social media and at the time I thought why would they have me speak? I don't know anything. I just kind of do it. You know, it would be kind of like having your high school neighbor teach you how to do your social. Like, <laughs> But after doing it a few more times, I realized that, and this is something a lot of people struggle with in any field, especially women, I realized the fact that something comes easily to me does not mean that it is without value. And it does not mean it comes easily to other people. So I felt like I didn't know anything until I gave a few talks and I realized how little other people knew and how I knew more than I really thought I did and that I shouldn't devalue that. So that was the first inkling of what would become career number four. Career number four. You say that with such a smile on your face. <laughs> it's amazing how you've just been kind of chasing your dream and basing your career off of your skill set and like you said designing your life how did you go about leaving rockland journal news and jumping into career number four it was very delicate to handle using existing relationships that i had to suss out this new career while i was still working for my employer it felt kind of shady. I didn't really like it. And even though I know that's the way a lot of people do build their businesses as a side hustle first to make sure that it's viable, it just wasn't for me. I need to give my all to something. But in the meantime, during that research period, I did meet with people in my target market. And I also 
upped my business networking. And I did that partially on behalf of the paper. So there was, you know, legitimate business reasons there for my employer. But the more I hung out with business owners, and in particular, Rockland Business Women's Network was an incredible influence on me. The more I hung out with these people who were taking control of their careers and doing their own thing, the more I started realizing that my excuses for why I couldn't do it weren't real reasons. And every time I had a shy little conversation with someone about this idea that was buzzing around my head, they always said, well, why don't you do it? And I always had excuses. And every time I had that conversation, I could remember fewer and fewer of them. And eventually I said, you know what? I just need to do this. I need to go for it. And it's funny now because that was in May of 2016. And at the time, I had a way overinflated idea of how fast I'd be bringing in money. Because I, I figured, oh, well, it has basically no overhead, this uh, this career. Because I totally forgot that now I couldn't expense anything to my employer. It was all me and all these things. But and even all, even my RBWN events. I mean, my company wasn't paying for that membership anymore. I was. Or rather, my company that is also me. Because I did incorporate. That's one of the first things I did. I incorporated my business so that I wouldn't chicken out. Incorporated, I got a business checking account. I'm like, I need to commit to this. If I treat it like a freelance thing, I'm gonna quit in a few months. And so I did it, and it was really, um, it was really eye-opening to see how slow a climb it was. And now that I know a lot more about how these things tend to go, I realize I actually did have a much faster climb than most. It just felt slow to me because I was expecting it to be instant, and that's not how it goes. But it, but it was really interesting. And around the time of my one-year anniversary in my company, I had a birthday party for my company where I had a cake with, the, with my logo on it and I had people to my office. It was very cute. But around that time, I also went to a big professional conference. And it just blew my mind wide open with all the possibilities that I wasn't even touching. If you had asked me when I first started my business what I wanted it to look like in a couple of years, I would have said, oh, basically the same, just me running social for a whole bunch of people. And suddenly I realized, no, I could grow this. And I realized that even though I had been good with getting my own name and face out there and connecting with people, I hadn't actually marketed my company. I hadn't been doing any content creation. I didn't have an email list. I, I didn't really even use my website. I just kind of was doing stuff for other people. I said, well, I don't want to promote me. I want to promote them. And around the one-year mark and around the time of that conference is really when I realized that's not going to work. And so as soon as I got back, I started my Facebook Live series. I now have two of them. I'm going to start a podcast this year. I started taking blogging more seriously. I started being more strategic with my use of social media. It's still not fully strategic because a lot of it is me, but it's strategically unstrategic. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is being really accessible, but I needed to get more serious about all of it. I didn't have my logo really set yet or my brand colors. And as anyone who knows me now knows, my color is set. It is a specific shade of red. I just pulled all my company's stuff together and it's made such a huge difference. And um, then the next thing I really needed to get over was realizing what segments of my business were giving back to me and what were not and how I could make fulfilling use of my time that was also more lucrative and would also not drive me crazy. Because when it comes down to it, I'm not the type of entrepreneur who got into it because I want to work a million hours a day. 
I'm the type of entrepreneur who got into it partially for the freedom. I want to do something really fun for a bunch of hours a day and then go home and not be on the computer all night. And right now I am still on the computer all night phase to some degree, but I need that not to become the normal. I need that to be, I'm doing that now because I'm building towards not having to do it anymore. And so that has really changed the way I look at my business and the way I strategize my company. But I already have two part-time employees right now, which is kind of cool. And I'm going to have someone on a fuller basis, possibly not full-time, possibly still part-time, but I'm going to have a, a whole other setup employee-wise. This fall, I already know my expansion plans, and it's kind of crazy. Because right now I'm at a point where I'm still not drawing a regular salary. But I'm really, I've really set myself up this year to remedy that very quickly and to be in a position in the fall where I can expand my company. And that's kind of crazy to me because... Again, at the beginning, I didn't think it was what I wanted. But now that I'm in it, I need to grow it. And it's very exciting to be in that place. Part of why I could afford to do all of this is because my husband was gainfully employed. We could not support the family on my new entrepreneur salary. And I always figured that if he got laid off or something, I would dust off my old resume and I'd go get a job in the city doing account management for an ad firm because that's something that has that fits my skill set and could bring in money. And I knew I wouldn't do it forever, but I'm like, you know what, if he ever gets laid off, that's in my back pocket. And then at the end of November, I was out having a coffee with someone I met at a networking event and I got the call from my husband that he had just gotten laid off. And I was shocked because my first thought wasn't, guess I'll dust off my resume and put my company on hold. My first thought was, how do I get some small business grant money? And realizing in that moment that that was my reaction to get more serious about my company, to double down on my company, that was really exciting to me. And um, I haven't applied for any grants because I, I, my books are not <laughs> in good enough shape yet to really put together a grant application. But the fact is, realizing that my first inclination there was to think about making my company more as opposed to abandoning it was really fascinating and that's really kind of guiding me this year that takes a lot of guts i think most people would just buckle down and go get that job because you know you've been chasing your dreams and now he gets laid off so you kind of have to be the support system but no you decide i'm gonna push it mm -hmm. i'm gonna do more and that's really inspiring what inside you drives you to be that way did you grow up with this mentality where it was more important to be happy than it was to make money I definitely have had that in me for a while the the more important to be happy part but interestingly enough that didn't fuel the um hard work mentality that I have now that actually fueled me to be lazy <laughs> sometimes because I was I used to say well if something's hard or if something's not fun it's because it's not a fit let me try something else and I actually don't regret that because it did teach me a lot about what does and doesn't fit trying different things but when it comes down to it I did not have a work ethic in school at all because things came naturally to me and so I didn't have to try very hard and I liked focusing on the stuff that was extra fun and kind of extra easy for me. <laughs> I liked focusing on that stuff. I didn't like working hard. I didn't know how to study and I was fine. And then when I entered the working world, I realized, oh, part of what I was supposed to be learning in school was a how to work. I didn't realize this. 
And so I had to teach myself how to care. Otherwise, you know, I'd get fired. You know, you have to figure out how to motivate yourself to get it done when you're working for someone. So I did that. I definitely could never in a million years have been one of those 21-year-old entrepreneurs. I didn't have anywhere near that level of put-togetherness or drive. Where I discovered I got drive was when I was in something that constantly stimulated me and that I was excited about being part of. And one of the first times that that happened is when I was working for Estee Lauder in my 20s, putting together training programs. I found that to be so much fun. I had worked retail before, and so um, I knew that I always loved the training programs we received. So to be here in this skyscraper on the corner of Central Park and putting together the training programs in the corporate office, I was really psyched about that. I thought it was really fun, and I really liked that we were treating the people at the counter as the most important people in the company because they were. Those are the people interacting with our clients, and I loved that. I loved that we were specifically serving them and speaking to them. And that was really fun. And so that was the first job where I really got a glimpse of, wow, I am working my ass off even when I'm not supposed to be working. I remember coming, landing at LaGuardia after going to visit my boyfriend at the time's parents for Thanksgiving and immediately hopping on my phone and talking with a vendor and my boss about a program we were putting together. And I, of course, I had tested the beta version while I was on vacation. And I realized I'm like, I'm this person now. I don't know if I like that, but cool. Like, it's interesting to see this person is in me. And I was not getting paid nearly enough to be that person back then. Um, but there have been a few other jobs along the way that I got that excited about and that I got really into. My job at the paper I got really into, too. I still wanted to go home, so <laughs> I wasn't, like, 24-hour. But when I was there, I was really excited. And it, it showed, and I got promotions and stuff. So... I discovered that I have this in me and the reason I have it in me more than ever now is because again I designed the job if I'm not into it I can redesign it and that's magical and that has really unlocked my ability to be so productive and to be so driven because it fits with what I already had which is it needs to click and I need to be happy and being happy makes more than making means more than making a lot of money but also I'm in a field that is constantly evolving and shifting keeping up with all those shifts is part of why I'm valuable to my clients because I am up on all of it and I love being up on all of it I love geeking out on it so the fact that I'm constantly stimulated and the fact that if something isn't working I am empowered to change it it's really resulting in unlocking all of these things that I never would have had the capacity to do before. So you said that you are self-employed. You had to teach yourself how to work or else you'd be really lazy. What are some of the things that you've had to teach yourself to do? I'm definitely still working on that. I need to get much better with my schedule and I suck at time boxing. Like people say, if you want to get certain things done, you need to make an appointment with yourself as if you were making an appointment with someone else and just have that time on your calendar. You can't violate it. And I'm terrible at that. I'm so bad at that. I can't do it because, you know, I'm sitting there and I say, okay, I'm going to work on this project now. After I check this email, oh, this person needs to hear back from me on this thing. Oh, yeah, and I meant to do that. I'm terrible with it. I need to get better at that. And there's also this great three-word phrase that I heard on a podcast, and I'm really trying to repeat this mantra to myself every day, which is figure out what you can delegate, automate, 
or eliminate. And so now I'm looking at things every day, saying the delegate part is going tricky, figuring out what I really can delegate and looking very closely at who I'm delegating it to. Because I have delegated some stuff, but it's not necessarily the right stuff for the right people. And then um, automate. I'm bad with automating stuff. I, I like having my hands in everything and I like having that personal touch. But when it comes down to it, it means that I get less done. So I just really need to find out where that happy medium is for me between having a personal touch on things, but also having them somewhat automated so that I don't have to put as much of my time towards them in the exact moment. The more things that I can batch, for example. A lot of podcasters talk about batching their podcasts. They record a whole bunch over the course of like two weeks, and then they just kind of roll them out over the course of the year. And one of the new podcasts that I might be coming out with, I'm going to do that. But, you know, I haven't been doing that with a lot of my stuff. One of my live streams that I do is specifically about social media news. So even though I could pre-record that, I could only pre-record it by like an hour, you know, because it's got to be the news. The other one, my, my Facebook live show on Fridays is just interviews with business owners or social media professionals. I could totally make that not a live stream, record a bunch of them, and make my life easier. At the moment, I'm not ready to go there. I really like that it's live video, but it is helping me look at more things in a different way and realize, you know, well, what is the advantage of this being live? What is the advantage of this being on this particular day? I used to do my, my little midweek minute news broadcast and my emails on the same day of the week, and I just moved my emails back a day. So now I do my midweek minute on Wednesday and I do my emails on Thursday. And even though it's pretty much together now, my email is pretty much ready to go out now. The fact that I don't have that pressure, the fact that I can kind of play with it till tomorrow, it really helps. It makes it a lot less of a fire drill every week. And I'm trying to look at things more like that and, and eliminate. Eliminate is another thing I need to look at. What is not showing returns. And that's gonna take a little more time because again, I haven't been marketing my company very long. I haven't been doing my content strategy very long, but I do need to start looking at the data behind it and realizing the fact that I enjoy doing something doesn't mean that it's worth my energy that could be going to other parts of my business. So I'm trying to look at that. I'm also trying to look harder at my mix of business. Um, I've been very go with the flow, floating with what comes my way. And, and part of that came from a very fear-based place of taking any opportunity that came my way because I was afraid more opportunities wouldn't otherwise. I have finally learned to let go of that fear. I have said no to prospective clients before. I have said no to services that I've learned aren't really worth it to me to do for the money that I charge for them and either altered my charge or stopped offering the services. And I've started really having goals for each of my revenue streams. And that has helped because then I don't get stuck in, oh, I have these opportunities coming my way. I'll take more of this and less of this other thing. I'm looking at it as, no, right now, these are your goals. This is not important. This one may be fun. It's not as important. If you want to build this part of your business, you need to focus on that. And seeing numbers, seeing actual numbers has really helped because I've never been guided by numbers and I've never been guided by data. And I'm realizing that 
I need to start being slightly more guided by numbers and data because my energy is a finite resource. And I need to be sure that I'm allocating that resource a lot more effectively so that I can get to that place of freedom where I'm not working all the time. So now you've been through careers one, two, three, and you're on four, and this is it for you. Just as a little background, I've seen Christine's advertising around town, and that's how I got to knowing her. She had this very business card, and I think a flyer as well, and a little bakery, and she was dressed up like a pinup woman, very classy, with a trumpet, and it was something about like toot your own horn. And it was about marketing yourself. And that caught my eye. And I was like, huh, I kind of want to do this, like, as a business. Like, I should probably friend her on Facebook. So that's how I knew Christine. I, I, you know, I picked up her business card. I friended her on Facebook. She accepted. And then, funny enough, time passed. And I saw that she celebrated one year anniversary in her business, like she discussed. And what was funny was I was like, oh, my God, it's been a year since... I haven't reached out to her about wanting my own business, but that's because I was working somewhere else at the time, and um, and it was just really funny. And then I went to a Gabby Bernstein event in the city, and it was a book launch for her book, The Judgment Detox, and it was great. And who do I run into in the bathroom? Christine. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting you in real life. You know, I have to tell you my name. And we got to talking about the podcast and how you should come on. So I just thought that was really funny and kind of kismet, you know? And it's very funny because so many people come up to me locally and say that they know me from online. Just today, I share an office and my office mate was having a meeting with someone. And I said, hey, you know, I introduced myself to her meeting guest. I said, hey, I'm Christine. And she said, oh, I know. Facebook suggests you as a friend to me all the time. Nice to finally meet you in real life. I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely go ahead and add me. People recognize me from various online things, and they're often a little embarrassed to say it. And I'm like, why are you embarrassed? I'm the one putting it out there. It's all good. It's there to consume. (laughs) That's so funny. But it is true because, you know, you follow people, and then, you know, you know where they went on vacation, and you know what they ate for lunch, and you're just, you run into them, and you're like, oh, hey, so how was that bun yesterday on that burger? It's, like, really awkward. You'd rather avoid the situation. My husband actually gets told all the time, you know, by people, oh, I know who you are. I know you from Facebook. (laughs) He's like, okay. That's so funny. My husband gets that a lot on Instagram because I'll post a lot of food. And then they're like, oh, hey, I saw your wedding video. I feel like I know you. They'll hug him. (laughs) And he just looks at me like, what's happening here? He's always really nice, but it is pretty funny. (laughs) It's like like being on a red carpet when we walk down the street of Nyack. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Nyack is a small place. (laughs) Yes, big fish, small pond, and it's fun. But But that's actually another thing about my year this year. I need to expand beyond Nyack, beyond teeny tiny little Rockland, and I love it so much. And so because I've been so comfortable with it, you know, I've gotten very comfortable in my little um, my little rut, honestly. Okay. And so this year I am expanding more. I'm, I'm doing more networking in Westchester and further up the Hudson, a little bit in the city, but I'm also kind of trying to bring some of my stuff national. I'm trying to do a few more e-courses, things of that nature. Because I haven't been thinking beyond here, beyond the people who I can sit down with at their desk and work with. And, you know, I can do more than that. So so that's another big comfort zone I'm trying to push myself beyond this year. But I'm so grateful to have 
this comfort zone here of our little community because it's it's such a great place for small business. When you were going through all these careers, did you ever once doubt yourself and be like, oh my God, what's happening? I'm going to have to go back to work this horrible regular job. Constantly, but the weird thing is I had more of that when I was working a regular job. When I was working a regular job, I was constantly afraid of getting fired. And it never happened. You know, it was it was a silly, irrational fear. But I always did have that in my head. And since I've been in business for myself, I have absolutely had several moments where I've said, when will I know that this is a failed experiment? When will I know when it's time to quit? And at one of those points, because I also am someone who suffers periodically from anxiety and depression, and when you're your entire business, being out of commission is not really an option. So I was coming out of that, and I was coming out of this whole, I need to re-strategize my business thing. And someone who I connected with online, who has a newsletter where he talks about the business book that he read every week, he talked about this book that I still haven't actually read, but I need to check it out by Seth Godin, who's a marketing superstar. I saw him speak at my friend's conference, and he has this book called The Dip, and he talked about how in lots of businesses, there is a moment where, you know, it starts out, and then you fall into that moment where you're like, is this the end? Does this mean I need to, like, stop doing this? Or is this right before it takes off? He's like, because sometimes it's a dip, and you're going to shoot right back up. And so he deals with some of the questions you need to ask yourself to figure out if it's time to quit or if you're just in the dip. And again, I haven't read the book. I need to get it because this will happen to me again. So I need to have it on hand. And I should probably familiarize myself with the concepts so that I'm ready for the next dip. But, you know, I did look at just the little handful that I could find. And I said, you know what, this is all pointing towards dip. And then I ultimately realized, it's kind of like that quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I realized, I said, you know, am I really doing all I can here? And no, of course I wasn't. I told you I'm naturally lazy. I was not doing all that I could. And so I looked at it, I said, but do I actually want to do more? And you know, yeah, I kind of did. So um, that has really helped. But yeah, those moments of doubt happen a lot. I happen to be in a really confident phase right now, and it's kind of freaking me out a little. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to just kind of ride this wave while I've got it. But there has been a lot of doubt and a lot of when do I quit. And especially with my husband getting laid off, I said to him, I said, is it selfish that I'm just continuing working on my business when we need health insurance? <laughs> and, right. and he said, no, because you're really putting in the work. If you were just kind of like not working and saying, oh, I have a business, you know, but I mean, we all know those people. We all know those people. I've been those people. Yeah. Um, that was me when I was a freelancer. He's like, then I might be having issue with it right about now. He's like, but no, you are working your butt off. You are taking this very seriously. So no, I don't feel like it's a vanity project. You are building your company and don't worry about it. And that felt so nice. I think I even cried because I had been wrestling with that thought of, should I be applying for jobs? Should I dust off my resume? Like, even though, again, my first thought was, oh, I got to build my company. After a little while of him still not having a job, I was like, at what point does this become a selfish vanity project? And, you know, I'm really happy that he has the faith in me that I am really building something and that I'm putting in the work. And I'm really proud that for one of the first times in my life, I can say, yes, I'm really trying. I'm really putting in the work. And, you know, 
it's gonna pay off it just is so great to have such a supportive husband and family group and it just really enriches your environment to be a positive one so that you can go ahead and chase your dream and i like to remind myself that i shouldn't offend these people by you know assuming that their faith in me is (laughs) ill-placed i should figure you know people see something in me maybe they're onto something and that that helps too realizing you know when i feel like a big imposter when i feel like a fraud when i feel like i don't know what i'm talking about why do people listen to me is anybody listening to me i remind myself i'm like no there's enough people who have faith in you that they're they're probably right And it helps. So right now you are a social media strategist. You said that you work in teaching small businesses how to use social media. But then you also mentioned later on that you have multiple revenues of income, which is very smart. And a lot of entrepreneurs have been told by very successful people that it's very smart to have. So tell me a little bit about the multiple things that you do. Sure. So there's my one-on-one sessions where I literally sit and I I am focused on very small businesses, the mom and pops, the individual proprietors. I really love that market. I feel like I can make a big difference there. So I have my one-on-one sessions where I literally sit with someone. They're in the driver's seat most of the time operating the computer. And we have work sessions where I teach them how to do stuff, but I'm not just spewing tips at them and they're taking notes. We actually do the work sitting there together under my guidance. And so that that's really fun. That's a big part of what I do. I um, Similar to that, I have a few recurring clients where we meet steadily like every other week. And that, I really kind of tell them what to do. Um, so I say, okay, we're going to put together a content calendar for the next few weeks. Here's what you're going to post. Sometimes we even load it up. Sometimes I help them with their email they're going to send out. But I'm, I'm really guiding that strategy on a more regular basis. So that's another thing that I do. I give talks and workshops. And that was actually a small part of what I did before. And a lot of it was unpaid. And this year, I'm getting into a lot more of that work paid. So now I have actual dollar goals every month against that objective. Um, and it's funny because I was a few things got canceled in February out of my control. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to fall short on my goal for February. And then I got emails about like three more things in March. So I'm going to exceed my goal in March. So it's all good. But it's very interesting that this is a thing now that I do. So um, that's workshops and talks. I'm also starting to get into e-courses. That has been kind of slowly but surely. And then um, I have a couple little things that I don't even advertise anymore as something that I do. But for the right client, I will do them. And that is videos and websites. And I do that sometimes. Those are a sometimes thing. But that's that's kind of in my miscellaneous pile. Like I even did copywriting for someone's website recently. I usually don't take on copywriting gigs, but this was the right client. It seemed like it would they'd be good to work with. And they wanted to work with me on social media after that was done. So I said, okay, you know what? This is a worthwhile investment. Another thing that I have goals on this year is... At least once a quarter, I'm trying to be involved in a bigger event. So something that's not just, you know, me speaking for a room full of people for like a few hundred bucks, like bigger events. I'm actually putting on a 
a social media day conference this year with a friend. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. So that's going to be really exciting. So that would count as bigger. That is definitely going to bring in more for me money-wise, but also be more work for me than just speaking for a room full of professionals. Um, so that kind of, even though it is, again, you know, speaking and workshops, it's a different bucket because it's a different ball game. It involves like nailing down sponsors and, and things like that. It's, it's different. So that is brand new. That is something that if you'd asked me just a few months ago, I wouldn't have really seen on my horizon. And now I actually know what I'm going to be doing for, the, for that every quarter. Um, so it's, it's very strange. In fact, my one for this quarter is next week uh, <laughs> and it's a little crazy. So, um, I'm entering this crazy new world of booking space and figuring out sponsors and asking speakers to do stuff. And it's, it's just a whole new ball game. And maybe this is the only year that I do it, or maybe this becomes a thing and it's now part of my recurring business. We'll see. I mean, I'm still in a fairly fluid stage with all this, nothing set in stone, but the opportunities that present themselves that really fit, you know, I'm, I'm rebuilding my business plan around them and it's exciting. Who knows where I'll be next year. Meetups are a thing. My friend Rob, the one who I said knew Seth Godin, he just did a meet and greet kind of weekend for creatives and designers out in Long Island. And he got a bunch of speakers to go and he got the hotel to, you know, do a special room rate. And it was really cool. And there was a lot of good information and there was a live podcast and Q&As and like a very intimate kind of, you know, little space where people got to know each other. And it sounds like that's the exact direction that you're going in. And I think that you could definitely grow upon that and make them even bigger, make them into, you know, large conferences. Yeah, and I go to stuff like this all the time, big and small. I go to this stuff, and I know the value there. And I've realized more and more, you know, again, to the point of when do you feel doubt, one of the, one of the doubts that I struggled with was, oh, I feel like I don't have a point of difference. I feel like I'm not really adding value in the way that some of these other people I admire are. And then I realized part of my value is the teaching. Part of my value is that I go, and I learn, and I network, and I connect, and I bring that knowledge back to the small business owners who are not focusing on that. So the more I looked at that as sort of my my core value, the more I realized that bringing together great minds and bringing the small business owners to come and see them, I realized that would actually be very consistent with my existing brand values. So many people now are doing this and I think it's really cool that everyone is bringing together like-minded individuals and making more of a focus on, you know, pursuing what they're passionate about and what their skill set is. And there's a lot of knowledge in there. And with knowledge comes growth. So you're affecting a lot of people and a lot of change. And essentially, you are the catalyst for that. So that's something to be very excited about, I would think. I'm pretty psyched. And I'll never forget, especially... Um, the first two conferences that I went to after starting my business. One of them was a more general marketing conference, but it was it was just so amazing. And the stuff I learned was incredible and, and doing some networking and just being in the same place with like-minded people. But then what really completely blew my mind, I mentioned before the, the Social Media Marketing World Conference. I, I Before that, I wasn't marketing my business really. And then after that, I realized all these things I was excited to go do. That 
was magical because I had access to all the speakers. Some conferences you go and the speaker is in the VIP room until they're whisked out onto the stage and then they're whisked back off the stage into the VIP room or onto a plane. And at this conference, the speakers were all walking around all day and they were all seeing other sessions and they were all being attendees of the conference and they were at the after parties and you could go up and talk to them and you could stay in touch with them and build relationships with them and it has changed my life and I'm so excited because last year I walked in and I knew nobody and I was just psyched that I would be geeking out with a whole bunch of other people who were passionate about the same area of marketing as I was it's specifically a social media marketing conference this year I'm rolling in known like there's people who will be there who I've connected with online some of them are people I met at last year's conference some of them are people I've met online since and it's really exciting that I'm going to walk in as a somewhat known entity and that I feel completely empowered after my experiences of the past year to talk to anyone I want to talk to. And it's just really exciting. And I've been, I've been jumping up and down waiting for it ever since um, the year began, basically. <laughs> and um, so there's just such a power to being among people who are as passionate as you are about the thing that you're passionate about. And it, and it's great. That's essentially why I started the podcast too, because I come from a place where I had to leave my job and now I want to surround myself with people and get to know people who have also had this issue where they've changed careers or they want to take a chance on chasing what they want to do, being happy and finding fulfillment in being passionate about their skill set and to me that's everything so surrounding myself with those people and interviewing these people and getting to know everybody is what it's really all about enthusiasm is contagious and so is entrepreneurship if you hang around entrepreneurs eventually you'll get bitten by the bug <laughs> but you'll also find so much support there because everyone's been through it. I think that's the thing too. A lot of these entrepreneurs are always very willing to lend a hand or advice or knowledge and everyone is pretty giving that I've run into because everybody starts somewhere and most entrepreneurs know how much hard work it takes and how much networking it takes and everybody's there to guide you through the process as long as you you know just ask for help. That's all you really have to do. It's it's just that simple. So who inspires you? There's a lot of people, both local little mom and pops and large like kings and queens of my industry who inspire me. Um, in my industry, a lot of them are social media marketing world speakers, honestly. Um, Amy Porterfield is great. Um, Andrew and Pete are some great guys who are doing social media and content marketing over in England, and, and they're fantastic. They're really fun. Um, Sri Srinivasan, it's funny, he was someone who I followed for years and admired for a while, and I only met him like a month ago, and now um, we're in regular contact, and I'm doing an event with him in a couple weeks, so that's really exciting. Um, and then locally, um, Maria Whittingham of Maria Luisa Boutique, she's fantastic because she has been in business for 30 years. She's got a great business. I shopped at her business today. I shop there all the time. But she's also really, really generous with wanting to share her insights as a business owner and especially 
to women business owners. So she really does, she's very generous with her insights of what she's learned. She doesn't want people to have to, you know, learn the hard way or anything like that. If she can do anything to help you, she will. And so she's a tremendous inspiration. Um, Rockland Business Women's Network in general has been a really inspiring group to be a part of. I'm also part of a group called Hudson Valley Women in Business, which is a lot like smaller businesses all over the Hudson Valley, mostly north of here. And um, both of those groups, women just do business a little differently than men do. And it's not that I don't work with men. I work with plenty of men. I'm totally cool with male clients, but there's something you can learn from other women in business especially women from older generations who have kind of been through a little more stuff, but also young women too, because we do business differently than previous generations of women do. Just women in business, the fact that I've met so many who are so supportive of each other and so like, let's all succeed. It's just been really amazing to have these groups and to have this circle of love. And I mean, recently the Journal News put out something about uh, they wanted to hear about great female entrepreneurs in the Hudson Valley. They're like, nominate your faves. And I shared a post about it and I tagged several of the female entrepreneurs I'm friends with. And I realized very quickly, I'm like, I can't tag everyone. I'm gonna be forgetting a million of my friends. So I just chose like six. Um, and that whole comment thread was full of love. Some of them have been featured in the paper since then. Um, I'm hoping someone nominates me too, but it's just really nice to have that you know, you go girl posse. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. Women supporting women. Women supporting women. Uh, there's there's two hashtags, a few hashtags I really like putting on things. And one of them is women supporting women. And one of them is collaboration, not competition. I love that one. The more ways women can work together, even if we do the exact same thing, even if we're direct competitors, if we can make each other better by working together if we can give our clients or our audience something better because they're getting the best of both of us everybody wins success is not a zero-sum game and the more people can work together to make everything better for everyone I mean I feel like there's so much potential for that and I've thankfully found a great tribe of women who believe that what's your best advice for women men children anyone who wants to chase their dreams and take that leap of faith i would say that absolutely the number one thing would be to believe that you can and that sounds so hokey that sounds ridiculous but the fact remains doubt wastes so much time doubt will waste time doubt will waste energy if you're gonna have all those doubts quit early like honestly just quit early if you're gonna let yourself be derailed by doubts because maybe you're right but the fact is, if you can, if you can power through that doubt, really, that is the number one thing to to eliminate. You need to just get past it and say, well, it's not a matter of if. I'm doing this, so how am I going to do it the best I can? Doubt is a waste of time. I also, I mean, as a marketer, I feel modesty is a waste of time. If you're not going to put it out there, if you're not going to own it, don't do it. But if you are going to do it, and if you do feel like you're putting something of value out there into the world... Do not deprive your audience of the pleasure of your work. Like, put it out there, believe it, own it, and, you know, don't shrink away from it because that is a waste of everybody's time and energy. Confidence is key. Confidence is key and back it up. Back up that confidence with hard 
work. Back up that confidence with quality. Back up that confidence with real value. Be confident, but make sure that you're earning that confidence. So from talking to you today, I've also learned that reinvention is key. And not only is it key, but it's okay. I had a conversation recently with somebody who said to me, and I think it only rubbed me the wrong way because according to Gabby and the Judgment Detox, I was in my feelings about this as well. (laughs) But this person was saying to me, like, you've reinvented yourself so many different times. Like, when do you think it's going to be enough? When do you think people are going to, like, stop following you because you're like, oh, my God, you're reinventing. Here she goes again, reinventing herself. And so I, I started thinking about that. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, You know, I went from, you know, photographer to, you know, fitness, you know, Instagrammer, and then I got injured. I can't do fitness anymore. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just like post my fashion or post something just to get out of like my depression and whatever I was going through, just like to keep going because I felt like, oh my God, I have this audience. But it really was about me trying to feel better. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to start posting food for other businesses, which I still haven't done. But I started this podcast idea and I really love it and I'm in love with it and I'm running with it. And then I started thinking about like, thank God for freaking reinvention. I love it. I love reincarnation. I believe in it. I believe in reinventing yourself and creating. I think that's like a whole part of creating. And to the point of what your friend said about when do you think your following will just get tired of you and not follow you on this journey, it brings me to another, you know, hackneyed quote that I love. Your vibe will attract your tribe. You don't want the same people following you through all those parts of your journey. If people were following you for fitness, maybe they won't follow you for this because they're not interested in entrepreneurship or reinvention or anything like that. Just like some of the people who followed you as a photographer probably didn't follow you into fitness. It's not for them. You need to focus on what's for you. And the people who it resonates with will be the people it resonates with. But you don't need to worry about keeping those followers. You need to worry about getting the right followers for where you are now. It's been so amazing talking to you today. Can you please tell people where they can find you and follow you? Well, if you insist. Um, I'm everywhere. I'm the only Christine Gritman that there is. My last name is Gritman spelled G-R-I-T like when something's gritty and M-O-N like Monday. And I'm on Facebook, not only as me as a person, but Christine Gritman Inc. My company shares my name because, again, I'm the only one. If I thought of something cute, someone else would have had the name already. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm C. Gritman. And um, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm on kind of everywhere. And I am christine.gritman.com. Well, I'm so thankful that you came today. I actually want to have you on again. I love chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tune in for the next episode of Second Chance Dreamers. Yay! Woo! That was fun. Can't none, uh, bring me down. The love is too high.